You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Howdy. Alan Seiler. I'm Dr. Alan, and I can bring out the best in you. <laughs> and Veronica Daschle. Hi. <laughs> I love it. Perfect timing. The off-screen high. <laughs> Almost perfect timing. <laughs> right. Right, Hello, everybody. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Trexgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys enjoyed, had something good to eat earlier. We nice. did. We did. We made our little feast, so we've got enough food for like the next four days now. <laughs> I saw your spread. It looked yeah. delicious. It, it is. It's pretty good. And very filling. But do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those in the know, I had chopped beef brisket, which they call Sloppy Joe at the place I got. But it's like chopped beef brisket I grew up eating <laughs> in Texas. So I had barbecue and barbecue baked beans and then the other stuff. Awesome. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, do we have any news this week? We have news this week. Paramount Plus has launched a holiday collection. So when you go to the home screen on the top scroll, one of the features is, you know, check out our holiday collection. And it is a collection of movies and um, television episodes that fit the holiday theme. And three Star Trek episodes have made the cut. Really? Would you what? like to know what they are? Yes. yes. First one is Dagger of the Mind. Okay. <laughs> well, I was going <laughs> to say, let us... I was going to say, let us guess. Dagger to Mind, um, Charlie X? No. Maybe? No. Not Charlie X? Well, Charlie X is on Thanksgiving. Well, this is Christmas. This is like uh, oh, the season. Oh, oh Yeah, so Dagger of the Mind, I mean, this is really dubious, but it makes it in basically because the word Christmas is mentioned. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a Helen Noel. Is a there character. is, exactly. And, yeah. and there's a she reference Kirk, to a Christmas party. Right. So yeah. there you go. That's it. Christmas. And the then Madhouse. next is Devil's Due from Next Generation, because okay. the opening bit is a holodeck recreation of a Christmas Carol. Wow, there are reasons. And <laughs> Tapestry, which of course has sort of a Christmas Carol yeah. theme yeah. about it. So I there you that. go. That yeah, is. I can see that one. Yeah, fascinating. <laughs> They mm -hmm. should have consulted us or our holiday episode from last yeah. year because I think we had a better. Yes. Yeah. 1159 should be on there. That's the most holiday episode there is. Uh, totally, totally, totally agreed. That one yeah. oh. definitely should be. Okay. So, other than that real stretch of, you know, logic, we have the, the folks who do Star Trek Wines is launching Star Trek Spirits. And they are releasing Romulan Ale, Whiskey, and Vodka. And these are in very cool bottles. Yes. And I'm looking forward to sampling them at some point. Yeah. Yes. The, the, the Star Trek wines, and I guess Star Trek spirits now, they're worth it just for the bottles. They have the beautiful reproductions of the bottles from the show. Exactly. And these ones look really nice. 
Mm. Yeah, with a, like a gold inlay and oh, just gorgeous. Yeah. And if people so, want to see more of Star Trek wines, check out our special episode from last year that is mm -hmm. on YouTube. And we'll be doing a special episode this year with some more Star Trek wines. That's right. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> me too. I mean, anytime you want me to drink wine, I'm there. <laughs> we're going to drink and talk about Star Trek. It's going to be yeah. a great time. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> What's not to love? <laughs> right. <laughs> if only we had the Romulan ale for mm -hmm. tonight's episode. I know, right? Mm. So that's it. That's that's the news for the week. There's some awesome. other new, there's other stuff, but it's all like super spoilery. And I don't think mm -hmm. we should like um, Jonathan Rakes talking about Picard season three and mm. um, some stuff about discovery and which discovery is completed post-production. So that's a thing. But other than that, I don't want to get into like super spoilery stuff this yeah. early in the episode. So yeah, we'll have to talk about it later. Okay. Well, Keith, do we have any this week in Trek this week? I do. I've got a couple of things. This is I, I thought this is very interesting. As you might know, Gene Roddenberry wrote his first script for Enterprise, the outline of what will become the show Star Trek, on March 11th, 1964. Uh, but I read this, I found interesting. Um, the first episode that became the pilot was The Cage. Now, on uh, November 20th of that same year, a few months later, he submitted a revised script of The Cage in 1964. Do you have any idea what the name of the captain was in that revised script? April. No. November? No. Was it Pike? No. You have any was idea, it, Charles? It was is? it Johnson? Was it Smith? <laughs> was it? No. This, this is fascinating. I didn't know this. On November 20th, 1964, a revised no. script. Of, uh, no, but getting there. <laughs> a revised script of the cage was submitted with the protagonist named Captain James Winter. Okay. Hmm. Never heard that one before. Yeah. I've heard, awesome. as you said, Alan, I've heard April. I've heard mm -hmm. James, you know, James R. Kirk, which was <laughs> in the first. Uh, James T. Kirk. I've never heard Captain James Winter before. Hmm. And it's one of those things where if you had James Winter 50 years later, maybe we'd all be saying... God, who would name somebody James T. Kirk? Maybe James Winter would have made sense, but doesn't that sound strange? Yeah, mm. it does. Yeah, James Winter. Also, in the 60s, I thought this was fascinating. Um, November 20th, again, 1967, Matt Jeffries submitted the final approved design for the D7. Wow. Which okay, is cool. Yeah, the Klingon battlecruiser. Yes. Wow. This was the twenty-fourth sketch attempt he made before wow. everybody could settle on what became the Klingon battlecruiser. Twenty-four different sketches just for that one ship. I find that mm -hmm. amazing. Two per <clears throat> month. Yeah, isn't that something else? Um, but of course, back then, if you think about what they were doing, when we were still in the days of flying saucers and Buck Rogers-type rocket ships, and of course, as we all know, the Enterprise itself is kind of a mashup of Buck Rogers-type rocket ships and flying saucers. Right. So if you think about it, Mac Jeffries was really, really working far ahead of what mm -hmm. was the standard for spaceships at that time. So that's a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. a unique design for that time. Absolutely. On November the 22nd, I think we all probably know this, 1996 was the premiere of First Contact in U.S. and Canada theaters. 
Nice. What most most agree is the best of the TNG movies. Mm-hmm. It is also Jonathan Frakes first directorial directing effort at the f- movies as, as mm-hmm. a film. He'd done a lot of television, but this was his um, movie directing debut. And I think he knocked it out of the park. I, it's a yeah. great yeah. episode. It's a great show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think? It's a great movie. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's just a great time. I mean, and using the Borg for the movie mm-hmm. and villain works out so well because yeah. they're, I mean, like they're like a horde of zombies in space, you know, you can't go. Right. 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 And, and, and as Veronica says, if you want to hear more about that, go look for our <laughs> past episode where we talk about the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah good point. And so one nice more theme is pimping every one of our past episodes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> one more on November 26, 1986 was the premiere in the U S and Canada of the voyage home. Oh, one of the most popular of all Star Trek films, especially among non-Trek fans, because it's more lighthearted and it takes place in modern times at at the time. And it's fun. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. It's great fish out of water. It fits in perfectly with those 80s movies. There was a whole string of those fish out of water movies in the 80s. Right. (laughs) And then the last thing, just two notable birthdays I had to mention, both on November 25th, 1921, Ricardo Montalban. In 1926, when Jeffrey Hunter were born. Okay, nice. Absolutely pivotal guys to the Star Trek mm-hmm. world. End of story. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's this week in Trek history. Well, great. Well, we'll take, we'll take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. Uh, but stay right there because we'll be right back with our discussion topic. So, Brittany, Martha, <laughs> tell me about your podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like we're in sync, but also kind of a disaster. We are always a disaster. So our podcast is fun if you want to hear two people talk about and complain about stuff that <laughs> they love complaints. and also hate. And drink. And drink. And the show is Thanks. called? Oh. <laughs> but, but first, let's, let's talk nerdy. And you can find us on the ESO Network. Bye-bye. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> I have always been fascinated by the Romulans. I think they're one of the coolest races in Star Trek. And when they popped up last week at the end of the last week's Prodigy episode, I was like, now is my time. Now is the time (laughs) that we delve into the Romulans. I just find them really, really interesting. Their culture is super interesting. They're uh, political structure, you know, I just think I just think they're a great race and I'm very mm-hmm. much looking forward to talking about it. So uh, I want to know from each of you, what is your like, what's your overall impression of the Romulans? Where do they sit in the in the Star Trek canon of villains, quote unquote villains? I love the Romulans because one, they're Vulcans. They come from the same root as the Vulcans. They are Vulcans who left. I love the fact that they're cousins of the Vulcans. And they show you what the Vulcans would have been had the Vulcans not really glommed onto logic. One of the things I've always found so interesting in Star Trek, and I've always found this very, very interesting, even, for example, in the Tonight Show um, with the Prodigy, and we'll we'll spoil that later, but there's an indication that because a certain person has uh, Vulcan DNA that they, they are logical. Mm-hmm. Vulcans are not logical by nature. Vulcans are savage mm-hmm. by nature. Mm-hmm. And with the with the Romulans, you see, like with the Klingons, 
a race that controls their savagery. They they channel right. it into empire and so forth. They are simultaneously kind of scary savage and simultaneously kind of cool. And mm-hmm. I love them for that. They're cool and potentially violent. And then they're kind of Vulcans, but they're not. I've always loved the Romulans. And they have some of the most memorable characters around, including the Romulan commander from the Enterprise incident, whom I just love. Um, and I, I can never get enough Romulans. Yeah, I never get yeah. enough of them. Yeah, I mean, they were set up so well from the start because, like you said, they're, yeah. they're offshoots of the Vulcans. Yes. So immediately in Balance of Terror, you have that um, that paranoia element to it. Right. And, like, and not trusting Spock because he looks like the enemy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, that, that sort of tension runs through the, the, the Romulans. I mean, you saw it from, from Balance of Terror and then all the way up to their story becomes so fascinating, all the way up to Discovery where you found that they've come home to Navarre and they're living with, with the Vulcans again, you know? It's, yeah. It, I, I think it's cool that they're able to bring that storyline full circle like that, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. <clears throat> what do you think, Veronica? Um, I mean, there for me, the Romulans have always just been kind of a, they're there bad guy and not an in your face bad guy so much as some of the others. Um, so they've always been kind of mysterious to me. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I think mm-hmm. I think that's what makes them so um, menacing. I guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't know that much about them. Exactly. Right. I think a lot of their a lot of their societal structure is a mystery to us, and I think when you get those little glimpses into it, like uh, some of the stuff that we saw in the first season of Picard, mm-hmm. just opens that door a little bit more, and and you know, I think it's fascinating every single time we get those little glimpses. Yeah, absolutely. And Frank, you were watching a, a Romulan episode just this week. I was. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I don't remember what episode it was. The enemy. Was going enemy. Oh, right. Yeah. With the, Jordy? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Man, that that's was, a good one. That was that was really interesting. You've never seen it before, is that right? I, I had, If I have, I do not remember having seen it. I'm so envious that you can just watch The Enemy yeah. and you've never seen it before. Like, <laughs> what a great episode. Yeah. So, like, okay, you didn't know the whole time whether whether Worf was going to save that Romulan no, life or not? No, I was oh. so... I was wow. I was pretty sure he was not. Okay. I had forgotten that um, Worf's parents were killed by Romulans. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that came up and... Uh, as soon as I knew they were testing for people, I was like, oh, Worf's going to be the only match, mm. obviously. And I I knew he wasn't going to give the blood. But when he talked to the Romulan and the Romulan was like, I won't. I would rather die than have your filthy blood. I was like, oh, now he's going to do is it like, just to fine. spite him. <laughs> right. Have you ever seen... Have you, Veronica, have you ever seen somebody and Alan so obviously get the result they wanted? To your point, what you just said, Alan, Worf goes up to the dude's bed and says, hey, dude, I got something that you need, you dog, basically. I mean, what was the guy going to say? I mean, seriously. <laughs> and then the guy goes, like you said, the guy says, I'd rather die. And Worf's like, oh, you heard him. You heard him. <laughs> right. Exactly. Bye by me. And uh, how is Worf the only match? Mm-hmm. I mean, that it's was, good that storytelling, was... but come on. Yeah. 
that was a contrivance because there is one. They've tried to do stuff like that before. There is one hundred percent no way that a Klingon would be a closer match to a Vulcan than a Romulan. I don't care how how you know how far or how long the Romulans have been away from Vulcans. Right. So they kind of they kind of set that up. Although it was kind of it was kind of um, gutsy at the time of Next Generation to let a member of the crew be so incredibly what's the word selfish full of hate motivated mm-hmm. by hate because he was yeah. motivated by hate and Riker even tried to talk to him like when do you end the cycle and Worf's like nah he's going to die mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah and and I love it when Picard is is uh confronting our recurring friend Tomalock and Tomalock mm-hmm. says where is he and Picard just goes he's dead <laughs> and that's about <laughs> it right <laughs> I love that scene where Picard is I mean he goes to Worf and he said I won't order it you yeah and he literally says like I'm begging yeah, yeah I, I mean, how do you still say no to that? Like, I, and, and I think that was such a surprising thing for the day because the way Star Trek stories go and way just television stories went back then. Yeah, he's going to come yeah. around in the end, you know. Uh, but he doesn't come around in the end. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that <clears throat> no one ordered him to because mm-hmm. that's that's something you can't do legally. You can't huh. force someone to give. Yeah, you have their bodily blood. autonomy. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm glad that it was never a I'm going to order you to. Right. 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 Yeah. Just as I guess ethically, Beverly could not have used Worf's blood if the Romlin had kept insisting he didn't want Worf's blood, even Worf, yeah. if Worf had agreed right. to yep. do so. Right. That's sure. a good point. She might have Worf's blood in, in cold storage somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Being a member true. of the crew. You know, that's true. Right. Yeah. Right. Good so Romulans. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I did a little poll this week. Yes. Um, we'll get into mm-hmm. the poll. Uh, Let's sure. Asking people what their favorite Romulan episodes are. And there you could, you could pick more and you could pick, um, you know, more, you mm-hmm. could pick more than one and you could add to the list. But the results were this. Number one, with 40% of the vote was Balance of Terror. Of course. Shock. Number two, with 16% of the vote was the Enterprise Incident. Shock. Okay, another good one. Number three, with 12% of the vote was In the Pale Moonlight. Wait. <laughs> and then um number four with eight percent of the vote was face of the enemy that's the one with troy goes undercover that's the one with troy goes undercover that's the one that i okay. added afterward yep. because that's, that's a that's a surprisingly um underrated good episode oh, oh yeah. we're gonna talk about that one don't you worry <laughs> <laughs> that's an excellent episode yes yeah Oh, uh, I think it's striking that I mean, I guess it's not surprising, but the balance of terror still sort of leads the pack. Um, because it's just yeah. a classic. It is, you know, a it's classic. Just, that's one of those. Ep- I mean, they were just um playing off that episode on Strange New Worlds this past year <laughs> or this this year, mm-hmm. just a few months ago. You know, basically yeah. doing a little remake of that episode. Um, because it's yeah. Great. yeah, Charles. I listen to a film podcast where they they do the they do things like this where they're always doing polls and they do a thing called the penalty box where they take movies that would always win and put them in the penalty mm-hmm. box. So they'll take stuff <laughs> like The Godfather and Wizard of Oz and things like Balance of Terror, The Doomsday Machine. There's so much stuff in the original series. It's always going to be there. Isn't that yeah, amazing? Right. Always right. going to be there. Yeah. It's classic episodes. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it, it created the Romulans so well with, um, I mean, I think even better than Errand of Mercy did for the Klingons because the Klingons were not fully formed in Errand of Mercy. Yeah. Right. Um, Agreed. But and, I mean, the Romulans and Balance of Terror are basically the Romulans, as they are now. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, they're so they're so ultimately cool. They've got the bird of prey on the mm-hmm. ship, 
They've got the, again, they've got the Vulcan look, but they have more emotions than a Vulcan. So in some ways you can probably relate to them more. They've got the kind of weird Rom, Roman, you know, you know, we call them Romulans, Romulus and Remus, which is so right. weird, but they've got this kind of cool thing, like on the, in that Balance of Terror, they even, uh, Decius even talks about the Praetor's proudest starship. Yep. And they have those things, they have senators and praetors and all these other military and political uh, divisions from ancient Rome. It just makes them come off as really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, as we've talked about before, they were written in a way that made sense. You understood who they are. Right. You know, the commander is tired of war. He's mm-hmm. just he's been around the block enough that he just wants off. He's ready to be done, but he's still going to do his duty and he's still mm-hmm. going to. Man, it's so good. Oh, yeah. And then you have that whole angle of on the enterprise of that prejudice. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that 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 racism against Spock. Mm-hmm. God, what a brilliant episode that is. Yeah. And it's one of those that yeah. has an A story, a B story, a C story, a D story, but they all weave together so yeah. well. Just it's just a story. It's just a story. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a yeah, lot that's... of the the TOS episodes did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, they're, it's not broken up the way modern television storytelling is done. Right. Yeah, and they had some of the best solo writing because, Alan, when you were talking about the prejudice, I remember when Kirk was saying they need to code it, and Styles kind of mutters, give it to Spock. He said, what'd you say? Nothing, sir. Let's have it. And mm-hmm. I love the way he muttered it under his breath. It sounded so realistic. If you, It was mm-hmm. like a blink and you you don't catch it, and then Kirk makes him, then when he says, then Kirk says, you know, basically, are you complimenting Spock on his uh, decoding ability? I don't know that. And the famous Kirk grabs him and swings that chair around. Awesome scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, coming in at second place was the Enterprise incident, mm. which is another yeah. great episode. Oh, my gosh. I think the really clever thing about the Enterprise is it, is it really swaps Kirk and Spock's roles. You got yeah, Spock exactly. is wooing the lady as, to distract her while Kirk is doing the technical thing. You know, that is my favorite aspect of the episode. Right. Forgetting how good the Romulans are in that episode and especially the Romulan commander is so good in that episode. And um, but other than that, I think that the the whole role reversal of mm-hmm. Spock and Kirk is genius. Yeah, it throws absolutely. the audience off in exactly the same way that they're trying to throw the Romulans off. Brilliant. Yep. yep. And I mean, it's um, sorry, I got distracted by the comments for a second. Um, yeah. And I think that it's fun to have Kirk in the pointed ears. They get some humor out of that. Um, which, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> sorry. We're so popular. We got a bot. Yeah, we got a bot. We got a, they have been blocked. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Cause they're so distracting for Charles. <laughs> oh, Hey, I, it was in my corner of my eye there. <laughs> I know. And who doesn't but, want yeah, I, girls? Come on. I mean, right. I mean, uh, it's just a fun episode and they do such a great job of, giving Spock a little more, you know, yes. you get Spock in the, in that, in that role where you get a little, ro- I mean, it feels like there really was some romantic interest between him and the Romulan commander, even though he was following his mission. I mm-hmm. feel like those two had real chemistry. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I don't so, remember that episode well enough to comment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Veronica. I mean, I'll watch, you know, I'll watch it. And I'll, this one, I'll be like, Oh yeah, I remember watching this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
the one with Jordy and the Romulans. I had no memory of it all whatsoever. Yeah. I may have seen it. Right. Right. <laughs> well, let, let's go ahead and get to Face of the Enemy then. That was our that, that came in at number four, but we'll wait for Keith to come back for um what was three? Three was in the pale moonlight. Oh, oh, oh which oh, oh. Keith had added right. to the poll. So let's go for exactly. Face of the Enemy. Absolutely. Okay, so there's a lot that I love about that episode. First of all, everybody knows I'm a big Troy fan. And anytime that Troy is featured and she got like one like feature episode per season. So, you know, as long as it was a good one, I was happy. But this one takes Troy and puts her in a completely unfamiliar role for her. And she just moves in and takes control of the situation. And I right. love it so much. But the thing that is so great about it is Carolyn Seymour mm. as the Romulan commander. And I think that she is like Joanne Linville level mm -hmm. Romulan commander. Oh yeah. And Joanne Linville is from enterprise incident. Mm -hmm. And I think that those two characters are so symbolic of Romulan, you know, crew structure. You know, I think that both of them are phenomenal characters and I love the the commanding nature of them. And Carolyn Seymour, it is a crime against all Star Trek fans that they never had her back mm. in that role. They had her back right. for other things, but never had her back in that role because she was brilliant. Matt Sweatman says, I find it interesting that with a season cliffhanger and another mid-season two-parter, Featuring Romulans, Face of the Enemy was the most popular TNG Romulan episode in the poll. And yeah. it being a, sort of a, a later entry, too. I, I didn't think it would gain that much traction, but I'm super excited that it did. Yeah. Well, it's really good. And it, I mean, I, th yeah. I think really the the most fascinating thing about it to me is the the tension between the regular Romulan military and the Tal Shiar. Ex yeah. Exactly. That's what because I was talking that, about that, earlier when you get those yeah. little glimpses of, of Romulan structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and it, it just makes it feel like a, a not a less one dimensional race, you know, that right. there's different groups. They don't like each other. They have different agendas. You right. know, usually you get this sort of um, one size fits all to alien species, you know, <laughs> yes. totally. But totally. I, I love it when you start seeing the, the more facets. And I, I think it's fascinating watching Troy have to bluff her way through this situation. Yeah. Not, having a full understanding of even what's going on. Right. And Charles, I, th I think you make a good point because like in real life history, that's always been the thing. If you look at, if you say study Nazi Germany, you had the actual army whose, whose name is escaping me right now, the German name for the actual army, but it was the secret police, the SS that became in some ways the bigger threat. And that ultimately started taking over much of the power. And if you look at other countries and, and even other races in Star Trek, like the, the, um, the Cardassians, Mm -hmm. The secret police and the intelligence services are often the enemy of the military in a lot right. of ways because so many or Section 31, because the military at least kind of sort of says we're fighting openly and patriotically for our country. You guys are full of secrets and experiments and torture and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and I find it interesting that there's that tension in almost every race where that's brought up. Yeah, yeah. And I think it works really well in face of the enemy. And yeah, it was, it's such, it was such a cool, I mean, just the cliffhanger was so cool watching that for the first time. And it's like, Troy's a Romulan. 
You know, it's it's wild. <laughs> it is. I love it. And also, I think uh, uh, Matt and Matt, hey, Matt, I think a good um, response to what you're saying as well is this was when you finally saw one of the very few episodes where Troy had some meat to do <laughs> that didn't have to do with her being somebody's lover or something like that. Right. This was was this post Jellico? Uh, I don't. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I know that Marina Sirtis said that she loved it because later on, I think in the episode where the two, the Romulan ship and the remember the one with Romulan ship and the Enterprise are locked in it locked in like a time stasis, and Troy loved that episode because she was actually able to say that Romulan engines use a um, a singularity, basically a mini black hole, and she loved it because it was that this and face an enemy. These were episodes she said. She was able to act and she was able to be intelligent and she yeah. was able to be tough. And she had no problems with being sexy, but she was tired of being just sexy Troy. And so she loved episodes like this for this reason. I, re I remember hearing uh, an interview many years ago with Terry Farrell talking mm -hmm. about her role on DS9. And she said that the only reason that they had roles for, uh, for Dax and for Kira, the way that they did on that show is because Marina Sirtis and Gates McFadden would not stop fighting for meaty roles for the women. Wow. And that's how you got things like Face of the Enemy. You got these things where they weren't, because both of them were caretakers. Mm -hmm. You you had Tasha, who was a security officer, but they nixed her at the, before season one was even over. So you only had two women caretaker roles left on that ship. And they kept asking for more meaty roles. And mm. that's how that's how you end up with such good parts for women on DS9. And Matt also says face of, uh -huh. oops, face of the enemy was three episodes after Chain of Count. And I was just going to say the same thing. It was uh, midway through season six. So it is okay. Jellico. Yeah. So you got to thank Jellico because Marina Sirtis says as soon as she got out of the dresses and put on a real uniform... Her role, her IQ level went up on the show, <laughs> ah, which I love. I, yep. I think, too, talking about the Romans, I was thinking about what we were talking about, why people like the Romans. There's so many people have talked about, you know, we've done the thing where if you were another race in Star Trek universe other than human, what would you be? And a lot of people like the Vulcans, but a lot of people don't like the discipline of logic with the Vulcans. You know, mm. a lot of people wouldn't like to be that. The Romans give you what you think would be a midway, a midway between human and a midway between Vulcan, because the Romulans do have emotions. I'm never clear in the regular Star Trek universe how many of the powers of the Vulcans did the Romulans retain. Do they still retain the extent? Well, they have the lifespan. Do they still have the super strength and all the other physical things and the telepathic abilities of the Vulcans because they're still Vulcans? Or no? I can the never first tell. first time I remember seeing Vulcans with, uh, with Romulans with Vulcan strength was in the 2009 movie before yeah. that i don't think they were ever portrayed as having that level of strength or i mean you look at like when kirk fought yeah. spock and mm -hmm. spock is about kill him but then kirk beams over to a romulan ship and he's just punching people left and right you know like there's, <laughs> right. there's, there's no contest you know um that's and a good there, there point was, in the old best of trek collection there was an a fan essay about this very thing Okay. Where their the fan theory was what Sargon's people, the way they had influenced Vulcan prehistory, was by genetically modifying the Vulcans and not the Romulans, and that's what led to the conflicts and for the, the Romulans leaving, which is a really fascinating essay. Oh, that's interesting. It. Yeah, um, but mm. it was uh, just putting it together from pieces from what was in the show, and I wish they would have done something like that with the show because that makes it sort of an additional wrinkle in 
the Vulcan Romulan mm -hmm. relationship. If all of a sudden you had these Vulcan super beings on the planet and then eventually the, the, the Romulans flee, you yeah. know? Interesting. Yeah. I've never seen that. I've never heard that. I've heard so many angles on it. There was one I read in one of the books years ago that Orions attacked Vulcan and that they defeated them. And then the Romulans who felt that the way of the warrior or being more aggressive and emotional was the future took those Orion ships and left Vulcan because they couldn't get along with the Vulcans who still wanted to hold on to logic. Uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure when the split occurred, but right. But yeah, I just find that a variation. I think as Vulcan uh, in TNG, and I want to say it was the neutral zone episode when Troy was giving Picard a, a summary and a synopsis of the Romans. One of the things she said was the Romans were capable of being incredibly gentle one moment and savage the next. Mm, which is what yeah. Vulcans can't do anymore because they've, they've cut off all that uh, emotion. So I think a lot of people like Vulcans because Vulcans can be, I'm sorry, Romulans, Romulans can be as cool as Spock and mm -hmm. then they can be kind of savage in a way you like, which is, you know, Vreenak with the famous, it's a fake <laughs> with just the emotion holding up the little thing like that. Well, speaking of which, I mean, th that episode was number three on our poll, yeah. which I thought was interesting. I didn't even include it the first time around because I, I wouldn't have thought to include it either, episode, but Keith, yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, so why why in the pale moonlight for a Romulan episode? I like in the pale moonlight and as a Romulan episode because in the pale moonlight, like that whole arc of Deep Space Nine was not just a military tale. It was also political tale. Mm -hmm. And what we were seeing here was the Federation. Well, yeah, the Federation, because the Federation Council um, approved um, Cisco's plan. They were desperate to bring the Romulans in. But it's like a real war thing. We're dealing with this right now where Russia is invading Ukraine. And not to get too much into politics, but there's some divisions in this country about how much we support the Ukrainians. Mm. There's other countries around the world that are kind of like, hey, it doesn't affect us. And what I like about this, it shows one thing Romulans have the common and common at Vulcans is they can be haughty and arrogant to a level that makes you want to hit them. <laughs> and when with Senator Vreenak, who's a Romulan and the Romulans are sitting back and going, OK, the Klingons and the Federation are going to fall. And then we're going to rule over what's left. And they're incredibly arrogant. And the Federation is trying to find a way politically to bring the Romulans in because they can't bring them in militarily. And so I love this. And when, when Vreenak shows up, he literally says something to the effect of, I forget what he said, something to the effect of it would be impossible for his opinion of the Federation to fall any further than it's always already fallen. And he's so arrogant. And he has so much influence because one thinks that if he used his political power in the Senate, he might be able to get Romulus to turn and join or at least look at it more. And so I like that the political aspects and looking at the Romulans. And then, of course, he's in some ways like a stereotypical Romulan because he's arrogant beyond belief. And then he has that great outburst, you know, the famous, it's a thing. <laughs> and, and so it's just it's a little slice of the political world with the Romulus at mm. that time. Yeah, and noteworthy too because I mean the Romulans joining the Dominion War yeah. was huge not only for yes. the Federation but for I mean Romulan Romulans as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean that that's a big turn for them. Now, the the Romulans are the types that they're happy to just these two great powers are all warring each other. We'll just sit back and <laughs> when once they've killed each other, we'll move in. You know, <laughs> we'll stay out of it and let you guys kill each other. Um, right. Yeah. So, I yeah. Mean, but it was a it's a pretty big move getting the Romulans to join the war against the Dominion, and so cool seeing like the Derridex class ships like joining the battles and things. You know, like all yes. fighting on the same side as the Federation. That's just it was just yes. really cool seeing those big Alpha quadrant races or Alpha and Beta quadrant races coming together as a big alliance. You know. 
Yeah, and yep. as you said, Charles, one of the reasons I like this is because, as you say, one thing consistently shown about the Romulans throughout all the Star Trek shows is they're they're schemers and they're plotters, and they will, unlike the Klingons who, on the surface at least, always say they want to go in, the Klingons like to make fun of subterfuge and deal-making, even though they do it, the Romulans are sneaky, mm-hmm. and they don't see it in, in ways that even we, we would see. Uh, it's Gene Roddenberry famously, famously refused to let the Federation ever adapt or adopt full cloaking technology because he said it was dishonorable, basically. And it's not mm-hmm. just something they would do. The Romans obviously don't have any problems with that. So right. like you said, in that episode in the Pale Moonlight, I like the fact that they're just sitting back. And in some ways, it's ironic. Cisco actually, even though what he did is morally questionable, he is actually pushing the Romans to what is better for them. Because they are weighing their survival, and they think sitting it out was better. But I kind of think that not sitting it out probably in the long run would have hurt them. The Dominion mm-hmm. could not have been allowed to gain a foothold, uh, and so it's interesting that that's what they're all about. They're very they're they're all about subterfuge. They're all about plotting. And there's even insults where you'll see a Klingon sometimes hurl at another Klingon. You plot like a Romulan. I mean, You're and right. that's like a serious insult. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Matt yeah, Swetman, oh, sorry, Matt Swetman says, this talk of DS9 and in their Star Trek rewatch, they're mired in the second season of Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just keep watching, man, because you got to get to season three. Yep, yep. Yeah. All right. No, I was going to say that, I mean, it's, I like that on Lower Decks and on Prodigy, they've been able to sort of turn the clock back and they're going back to the Romulans mm-hmm. sort of as we left them at the end of DS9. You know, I mean, yes, with 2009 and then Picard, I sort of felt like we'd left those Romulans behind, you know yeah. what I mean? But it's cool that we've had these animated shows now that are sort of in that gap where mm-hmm. you can just the Romulan neutral zone still there and the Romulans are still there. And, you know, what I mean, like you can just sort of absolutely have those ships show back up and it doesn't mess. It doesn't mess anything up. The storyline that's going forward. And I like the sort of Romulan refugee storyline. I'd love to get back to that at some point. Yeah. I love the knowledge that, you know, by the. 32nd century they make it back they're, they're back on vulcan or nivar live, living together you know i think it's yep. i just think it's cool and I, I love that we're able to play in different timelines with them now agreed that's the strongest thing that's going on with the star trek franchise right now mm-hmm. with all these paramount plus shows being set at different points in the timeline is that you get all these different perspectives and you can tell all these different kinds of stories without like negating you know, if we want to paint the Romulans this way in Discovery, we don't have to have some contrivance to tell this other kind of story. We'll just do it in Lower Decks or we'll do it right. in Prodigy because that's the time in which that storyline can be told. Mm-hmm. It's great. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought uh, one one Romulan among our Romulans, I'm not going to say it was a disappointment, it was a complete surprise, but I guess it makes sense. In the next generation, when they brought back Denise Crosby as her own daughter. Uh, that whole thing, and that, and I'm sorry, but that re- that um that ridiculous plot of the Romulans kind of conquer Vulcan with like three ships. You know, <laughs> know that the, the the thing that surprised me was, do you remember the Praetor at that time? He was this kind of little dude who was like a who was like a functionary. You remember he mm-hmm. was he was a small dude. He wasn't aggressive. He was just like an administrator, but he was the Praetor. And I guess I'm I'm still thinking about shows like Bread and Circuses. Or ancient Rome, where you assume the leader killed his way to the top in one, you know, and, and single combat, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. praetor came off as just like a functionary administrator, kind of like a little weasel who probably killed people 
you know, on the sly. And I remember I was being shocked, like, that's not what a Praetor is supposed to look like. He's supposed to be like some <laughs> cool dude, like Apollo. But I found that very interesting because that means that that, that system is still going forward. You know, it's got, the, it's got the old ancient foundations, but it's still going forward. And maybe when you're Praetor at that point, maybe you just scheme your way to the top. Maybe you don't yeah. kill your way to the top. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a Romulan thing to do is scheme your way to the top and have yep. others do the, the dirty work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the Romulans, they're back this week. So we want to transition over to talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Prodigy. Heck yeah. Ooh, there is so much to talk about this week. Yeah, there is. Give us a spoiler alert, Veronica. All right. Um. Whoop, whoop, spoiler alert. Whoop, whoop. And that's spoilers (laughs) for Star Trek Prodigy Masquerade, which aired just here today. Um, And was, um, like you say, chocked full of stuff. Oh Holy cow. <laughs> so where do we want to start? With? I mean, my, the first thing that jumped out at me was that we got another space elevator, another yeah. space jump. Yeah. Yes. Twice I in a year notice. we've had space elevator, space jumps. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I wrote with a chuckle, Charles. I wrote down with a chuckle. They said that because of the ion storms and stuff, the mm-hmm. space elevator was, was better than a ship. I don't think I agree with that. I think I'd rather take my chance at a warp-driven starship through a storm than a freaking like three-mile tower that's just sticking up out of the ground. But I still thought it was cool. I would love to go in a space elevator, though. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I'll, I'll be first in line. Heck yeah. With Heck my own yes. spaceship suit while I'm riding it, not like without a spacesuit. Right. Because it's going to break. Well, they have space helmets inside there for, for an yeah. emergency if the Romulans shoot out your yes, windows. Yes, yes, helmets. <laughs> I really feel like. That's not going to help if you're um, in the vacuum of space and your skin is exposed to space. Thank you, Veronica. That's why I take a ship. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff can happen on the ship, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Elaine says that she loves the space elevator, not that she would want to ride on it. (laughs) (laughs) I was just disappointed there was no music in there. (laughs) <laughs> on the space elevator. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> yes. Wait, wait. Hold on. We can have some space elevator music. There we go. <laughs> We're on the space elevator. <laughs> We're going down to the planet now. Three miles to ground. <laughs> Oh my reminds gosh. me of the uh, the Kill Bill thing where she was going to kill people. She kept getting on the elevator and getting hearing elevator music. Right. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a cool episode. They got some big revelations in this episode. Ooh, I mean, yeah, probably the, the biggest one I would think is Dow. Yeah. That this is going to be an ongoing storyline that he's yes. not just from a planet somewhere. He's probably uh, his genetically human with modifications of other species sort of mixed yeah. in. Yeah. That's that's unexpected. Yeah, I thought that was. A cool I didn't see thing. that coming. No, no, no. Yeah, um, and um, I, I like the the genetic scientist lady. I like that she's outside Federation space. Made me think mm-hmm. maybe like Bashir's parents might have gone to this planet. You know, I was just, <laughs> I was waiting for them to drop some kind of line about that. You know, like they could have traveled here and, true. and seen Doctor. Was it Jaga? Jaga? Jogo? Something like that. <laughs> Something yeah, like but remember, remember they conspired to put a Sung in there again, at least by name. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Like, are Sung's you... responsible for everything. I was yes. like, are you flipping kidding me that we have to have <laughs> Sung, and I'm doing my best to not cuss, Sung in this stupid show, too. I was I was a little aggravated with it. 
at least it was just a reference. At least he didn't. Uh, right. Spiner didn't step out, which I, would, I, mean, I actually wouldn't care if Spiner stepped out. <laughs> <laughs> he, he will be there. I guarantee you he is going to show up at some point because they're going to find a way to get Dal to his creator to figure out why he was created or whatever. I just it's going to happen. They were students of. Not it wasn't they. Yeah. She didn't say that they were actually Soon's work. Yeah, so, so. It, it could be. I mean, it, but that it could, that could mean that it's the current Soon, or it could mean that it was just somebody who worked with Eric Soon, who passed that knowledge down. Like we don't know yet. I mean, they've yeah. left themselves yeah. open, but it's yeah. interesting. I mean, basically now there's no there's no planet of dolls out there. Like there's no right. home for him to get to. It's going to be right. a matter of figuring out who created him and why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, all the, yeah all, the, I, all the um different races that were popping out of him <laughs> for a yeah, little bit of a word. Yeah, it, it's it it was it was making me try and figure out like exactly which races because mm -hmm. she they, she mentioned some of them, but she mentioned there was like twenty seven mm -hmm. different races with dormant genes in there, or yeah. at least yeah. at least dormant genes. Um, well, for sure, there was Andorian, Klingon, Tellarite, Vulcan. Yeah. Yeah. And also, he mentioned that he thought a third arm was getting ready to grow out of him. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe a little... Um, Edoan. Edoan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and um, then we've, we've said ball. before that he looks like um, Neelix. He's got a little Neelixy to him. Yeah. yeah. I can see that in the spots. I thought that the other guy looked like Neelix, or looked like a Taloxian. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, though, that, I mean, it, it opens up a new storyline for doll. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's one of those steps along the mystery that creates a new mystery that gives you somewhere else to go. So it's not just him right. looking for his planet for six years. He's, he's reached the next step and now he's got to continue on. You know, it's kind of right. like when Odo finding out the founders were in charge of the dominion, you know, yeah. like that wasn't the end of that yeah. story. It was just a different story from there. On yes. Out, you know? Yeah, yeah totally. So that's a good was... point. Cause it's doll a weapon. What is yeah. he? Was he meant to be a super soldier? What is the deal? I don't know. I mean, the, the security on that Federation relay flagged him. Maybe it yeah. just realized that he was genetically engineered and that's against the law. But um, maybe the Federation knew about this particular genetic engineering because he was yeah, a weapon of some there sort. There could be purple super soldiers out there somewhere. <laughs> well, the guy, in addition to all his physical powers, he also has telepathy. So that's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. You know, he yeah. could be really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there could be an army of these guys out there running right. havoc. Who knows? And, and that was something he had with just like the generic implant before mm -hmm. he like superpowered himself. Yeah, before he juiced <laughs> it up even more. Yeah, Oop, I gotta yeah. tell you, my wife my wife came into the room late, and when she came into the room, he was growing a mustache and a beard. She goes, what in the heck? And we just died laughing because it was funny by the end. Then the slime started coming out of him. <laughs> Matt says, I like the way the show doesn't take forever to move along the main story, answering questions while asking new ones. Agreed. Yeah. I, agree yes. I feel like yeah. the show is paced really well. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Because yeah. we were all thinking that there were these mysteries that were going to go on for two or three years. Right. And yeah. they're not doing that. And that's that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. yes. And that's good, because when you bank your whole show around these mysteries that go four or five years and then the, the payoff sucks, then you just sort of spoil the show. We've seen that happen <laughs> with other TV shows. before. <laughs> you know, I mean, mm. I, I think this is the smarter way to do it. You, you get to an answer. You work to the next answer. You, know, yep. you build the story. Right. I think that was exactly. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, speaking of which, we had instant Asensia. We had some revelations <gasps> today. Dude, dude. <laughs> who's that was cool that coming? Well, you I, did. I did notice they they did have her. She kept giving odd looks yeah. a couple of times, and well, I also, didn't know what that was about. Yeah, she was in that Illuminati leak that uh, from like a year and a half ago was the ensign who's mass who's about who's hiding her Val Nakat nature to hunt for the ship. Okay, oh. so I've been I, I've just not mentioned that on the show because it's too spoilery. Thank you, but well, thank uh, you. I appreciate that. that. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. But so we've reached the end of what the information. I went back and looked at it again uh, just this week. The the alien geneticist was in it, and and the the character breakdown, and then this instant essentia revelation, and that was all the info they had that we haven't already seen. So (laughs) I I don't have any more of those. But um, yeah, and plus, I mean, they had um, Jamila Jamil playing it with an American accent. So I've been waiting for her to right to flip. You know, so right, it, right, was, right. it was a cool revelation. It, it just so happens it was the same time they introduced those things in their neck, and she has one too. But yes. um, <laughs> to reveal that she's actually a Valnacott, and her coffee table is a dreadnought. <laughs> exactly, <Or> dreadnought, <laughs> dreadnought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, I mean, we've we've been seeing his name in the credits for weeks now. So it's nice to know that he has actually been there this whole time. We just didn't mm-hmm. know where or who he was. Yeah. Right, he was a coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like Starfleet security needs to, to ramp up a little bit. You're sneaking yeah. alien robot <laughs> killers on his disguised as coffee tables. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably something that he does that shields him from scams or something. So. I hope so. Well, or it could exactly. just be like those crates that they were beaming up in um um the episode we were talking about earlier that I just blanked on the title of that um that had Simon Van Gelder just hiding in the crate when they, when they beamed it up. Right. Dagger There's of no, the mind. Dagger of the mind. There's no screening process. You just hit hit send. <laughs> so what, what was the point where she has the button in the back of her neck and Dahl has the button in the back of his neck? What was the how how are those both having that? And she's from the future. Yeah, I What's think that that that's just the technology that she's using to hide. She's like yeah. genetically hiding herself as a trill. Oh, I guess. And then you. she hits the button and turns back into a Valnacott. That's what I took right. from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I took okay. it. Totally yeah, okay. I think it's just coincidence. Um, I mean, it's storytelling, but coincidence in universe that he happened to stumble across that the same mm-hmm. week that hers was revealed to us, the audience, you know? Yes. Uh, um, Or it could be that Dr. Jago is involved with the Valnacott at some point in the future. Yeah, I would know? think so. I wouldn't hmm. know. Like they yeah. rope her into, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, let's talk about Romulans. Yeah, the Romulans, dude. Are, I love that they were very like their their weapons were like the Romulan weapons from Picard, from the shock troopers that were chasing Picard around. They had yeah. the same yeah. guns and the same handguns. Um, very similar to those dudes that were chasing Dodge around and beginning of Picard. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but man, their uniforms looked so cool. They really they did. They were cool. way cooler uniforms. <laughs> Yeah, like they just like tr- turn their helmet on and just like dive off the platform. Yeah. Like, we ain't got time for an elevator. <laughs> We're jumping. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, man. I thought they were very cool. cool. So yeah. is that is that it for Romulans? Do you think, I don't know. Do you think they'll be making a recurrence in this series? I think we'll see them again because they, yeah. they already modeled the ships and everything. So you may as well. It's well, that's true reusing resources to have them turn back up. That's true. You know, I don't know that well, it'll be next week. No. It, yeah. Is the protostar still in the neutral zone? Was I forget it was at the end was it still in the neutral zone or or in their space? I'm not sure. I think it was still in the neutral zone. I don't yeah. remember them leaving. 
so that means we may still have some more Romulans coming. It's possible. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Even though the Romulans shouldn't be in the neutral zone. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. They fly <laughs> into the neutral zone to get onto the Federation for being near it. Like right. you're in the neutral zone. Right. Right. So yeah. We also, we also have a continuation of the trans what is it transfer Mur- oh, no not that's not it murph's change Transmutation? yeah Transmutation? metamorphosis metamorphosis that's it mutation Elaine says that she loves that murph now has more of a purpose mm-hmm. yeah agreed not just like flopping around and being cute yeah <clears throat> well even before though he was accidentally firing phasers and things even when he was a blob <laughs> right you know he was accidentally helping out in certain ways so yeah, I like that they're continuing to evolve the Murph thing. I don't like him as well as the arms and legs. I liked him better as a blob, but me we'll too. see what happens. You know? Yeah, me too. So, and, question. What do we think about... Do we agree with Buddy's ordering of Janeway under no circumstances, enter the neutral zone and blow the ship up instead? Buddy? Buddy? <laughs> yeah. The return That's, of Admiral Jellico. I know. Jellico, come on. <laughs> Can't just we, over that. <laughs> and did we like his portrayal? Did that did that seem like yeah. it made use of him or, or or caricature him? Well, I thought it was for for what it was. I thought it was good. I mean, it, yeah. it was basically just Admiral on the screen for a minute. Yeah, you know? but I, I think I there's more of him, him coming than just right. that. Me too. And I think if you're going to just have an Admiral on the screen, why not make it someone we're familiar with? You know, totally, totally. Uh, I there. think in all the track history, the two, that, the other one that it would, could have been could have been Admiral Necheyev, because she used to always show up and bust Picard and Cisco's uniforms um, sure, yeah. every now and then. Yeah. Uh, did you notice when Janeway was arguing with Jellicoe how he stressed the word vice when he called her vice admiral <laughs> because he's a full <laughs> admiral? <laughs> I right. thought that yes. was awesome. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. He's got four admiral pips and she has three. Exactly. I mean, come on. <laughs> Matt says, watching the show in the order that we are, I had to explain that Lieutenant Essentia was apparently a Trill, not the same race as Princess Kaitama from the last episode of Enterprise we watched. <laughs> I don't remember which one that is. Yeah, the the, the makeups get a little repetitive if you, if yeah. you watch a lot of Star Trek. <laughs> they, they have always so many ways you can turn somebody into Alan, an alien. I think that might be the one where Trip got stranded on a shuttle with a really haughty, arrogant princess, and he had to learn to. Uh, they had to learn to get along. Mm. Yeah. I think that might be the episode that, that uh, they're talking about. Yeah, could be. Okay. Well, we also uh, got uh, a little more of Okana this week, and it looks like he's gone now. For yeah, now <laughs> maybe he'll come back. I hope so. That's disappointing that he like jumped ship. He just mid- left. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. But not a surprise, is it? I, no, 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 not a surprise. He's sort of the bargain brand Han Solo, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I like that he was like first a, a Starfleet Admiral, now a Romulan shock troops. Who are you guys? Yeah. Well, I like that Janeway says the same thing later. She's yeah. yeah. Be, like fought off the Romulans. She's like, who are these kids? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I do like that. They they keep impressing. Okay. So on that note, so we have we mentioned uh, a new role for Murph on the show. I love that that frees up Rock to step fully into that yes. science role, science and that she was so excited to make her first science log. I yep. love yes, that. That was adorable. What a, mm-hmm. what a great moment. Yeah. Uh, yes. And she's like my favorite character on the show. I, I can't, I don't know why, but she, I just adore her. She's yes. great. And the, the girl who plays her does a great job. Yeah. Yes. And she's just like, just a heartwarming character. I like when she's like, she sees the little 
dog the thing. Puppy things, the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Good yeah, episode. good episode. Hey, yeah. Jinx. <laughs> you owe me a Coke. <laughs> right. Or some or some Star Trek wine. <laughs> Jellicle mentioned Janeway's personal feelings for Chicote. Is there any reason on the planet to think that's anything other than the fact that they're friends and colleagues who served together uh, for a long entirety time? Entirety of Twitter thinks that it's because they're more than friends. So <laughs> oh. uh, why can't it so, just yes. be loyalty to somebody who's they've known each other for 20 years? Uh, because people have been shipping Janeway and Chicote for 30 years. Yeah, but they actually have. And you know what, Alan? I've been, as I said, I've been listening to the Delta Flyers, the podcast with Garrett Wong and Robert Duncan McNeil. And dude, every week almost they call out subtleties that Kate Mulgrew did that showed she had affection for Chicote. This little ways like she get in his face and kind of sweet talk him and she kind of touches cheek. And it's like Charles says, people mm-hmm. have been wanting them to get together. I actually wanted them to get together too, but I thought it was natural and could have been natural with the way Chicote. Well, I, this is, well, this is me reading what's more off the page than on the page because Chicote wasn't used that well, but I could see them getting together. But I just wondered when he said your personal feelings, was that just colleagues or was that more? Mm. Yeah. I mean, you could say the same thing for any captain and first officer and former first right. officer, right? Right. Yeah. But I mean, there's yeah. also that episode where they were stranded on that planet that got pretty steamy. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but, but that was so long ago. Why does that? Why does that? It wasn't that long ago for them, for the characters. Well, They're back was. in time from us. I mean, it was probably seven they... years ago for them. Because, you know, it was the thing. Once they got back to Earth, we don't know how they were dating. Because if you remember, um, he remember he and seven were dating just before they got back to earth mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right chopping vegetables together and everything so maybe they wow. broke up and he got with janeway because her, her her love mark married somebody about four years after she left she was right listed disappeared oh, <laughs> well i hope not i don't see that as being necessary in a i mean i, I hate to call it a kid's show because yeah. it's certainly on a different level than just being a kid's show Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see the, the. I just don't see that adding anything to the, you know, yeah. storyline. I think yeah. if if you think that Janeway and Chakotay are secretly in love, then it works. And if you think they're not, it still works because yeah. she was her. His, she he was her right hand man for seven yeah. years while they were lost in the Delta Quadrant. So yeah. right. either way, I think it works. So I think it's open that's to true interpretation until they do something on the show with it. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Right. So any more closing thoughts about that before we move on? Well, um, you usually ask every week, Charles, what do we want to see next week or what do we want to see to come? So what do we want to see, Alan? I think more Jellico for you, maybe. Oh, well, that's yeah, but that's a that's just a add on. Uh, yeah. That's just that's just gravy. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing some of the other admirals either. Let's see what Necheyev is up to now. You know, mm-hmm. the, Absolutely. Any, of those, any of those people, Admiral Ross from DS9. Let's see him chime in once in a while, you know. But that's yeah. not what that's not what I'm hoping to get out of the show. I, I I'm I'm really excited to see now where this Essentia plot line mm-hmm. is going. Yeah. I'm excited to see how Rock continues to grow. Um I'm, you know, I'm I'm a little intrigued about where they're gonna take this Murph situation. But overall, I'm just super excited for uh, however long they decide to draw out this thing of the kids and Janeway being separate and, you know, prolonging that that final meeting where they can explain to her, it's this weapon. That's what we're trying to protect you from. 
you know, as long as they do it in an interesting and, and continuously engaging way, I'm fine with it, but yeah. I can't wait for that moment. And <laughs> hopefully too. it's not a string of them meeting Janeway yeah. and not saying anything about it. Exactly. Oh, God, you know? <laughs> it, yeah. That only works once. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Only one time. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm here. I'm well, really looking forward to Chakotay coming okay. sooner or later. Awesome. <laughs> you, you've mentioned yeah, I look forward. Time time. I look forward to more Chicote too, because I, I, I we, we've talked about it on the show before. He was not well as as well served on Voyager as he could have been. So yeah. I'm looking forward to him getting some meaty material here. Totally, totally, totally agree. Okay. And now we've got a little bit of announcement. We have an Earth Station Trek hotline. Yeah. Where we want to beef up our little question of the week and comments and things like that. So if you have any questions or comments for us and you'd like to hear yourself on the show, um, we have a phone number that you can dial, and it's easy to remember. 307-387-1701 is the Earth Station Trek hotline. That's 307-387-1701. And clever. You, you'll hear Veronica's voice, a uh, little funny voice message, and we'll change those up from time to time. So that's be the only way to hear the little voice message will be to call the number and leave us a voicemail. We'll we'll have it on the show. We can answer your questions and play your comments. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. You know, it's um, I, we've really enjoyed the feedback that we get via like text and so forth. But I think it'd be fun to have some more voices. Um, and I think it's fun to have a hotline. Yeah. I mean, we need a, we need a little jingle like they used to do. They would they would sing the hotline. And so you remember it for the rest of your life. <laughs> right. But, you know, for now, 307-387-1701. And you can leave us a voicemail and um, we'd love to hear them. and We'd love to play them and respond to them on the show. 307-387-1701. There you go. <laughs> Done. Perfect. <laughs> we'll let our music guy figure that out. That's going to be our new ESO promo. <laughs> hey, Elena's on board. She says that's a sweet idea. Good. Someone yeah, call man. it this week so we can see if it works. Yeah. Right. We have to have a test drive. Right. So whoever wants to be first, let us know. And uh, don't, you know, just call it. Yeah. Okay. I will. Do All right. <laughs> All right, Alan, where can people find more of you? Go to cosmicpress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. And there you can look at all the books that I've written and the books that I've published from other authors and see a list of all the podcasts that I'm involved in. It's a long list. Yeah. Long How about you, Keith? <laughs> you can find me on the standard social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com. Or? Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. And do you have a closing for us this week? I was thinking about that earlier, and um, I didn't come up with one. <laughs> and I've been thinking about it, you, and then I forgot about it. Until you, you said something. You want to sing the phone number again, then? Okay, yeah. 307-387-1701. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.